Hello, my name is Joshua Gilliland and welcome to another installment of the Legal Geeks Educational Series. I am the blogger for Bowtie Law and the blogger for the Legal Geeks. This continues our series of examining different educational issues in the practice of law. Tonight's theme is authentication. Authentication is how you get things into evidence in trial. Now there are other ways this comes in as well, but that's, that's the basics. So authentication is defined under Federal Rules of Evidence Rule 901. And pursuant to the rules, a proponent must produce evidence sufficient to support a finding that the item is what the proponent claims it is. So you just can't say, Your Honor, here's this piece of paper. You have to give enough facts to show where the piece of paper came from, who authored it, all those things, or else it's just not getting into evidence. Federal Rule of Evidence 901B gives some great examples of authentication, and the most basic one out there is testimony of a witness with knowledge. It's so important during depositions that when you start presenting exhibits to a deponent that they explain Hey, I wrote this email messages. Yes, that's my email address. Yes, I did it on this date. And you go through all the steps for authentication at deposition, so therefore you've taken care of it long before trial takes place. That's the most basic way to do it. There are other ways as well, such as comparison by an expert witness uh, or the trier of fact. You can have di distinctive characteristics. In the early days of email coming in, courts did rely on that example because they analyzed this is an email message, here's the little at sign, here's the first name with a period and the last name, here's the company domain name. They would then look at the signature lines to say like look this is where it came from and based upon all the distinctive characteristics that's how they did that in the early days of, of authentication and emails. Uh, courts still do it but um, that was work emails usually from a company and not necessarily private ones. Evidence about a process or system. Uh, you can also have methods provided by uh, other statutes or rule. So again, a whole bunch of ways to, to get this information in. Also, you could potentially see expert testimony from someone who collected electronically stored information as part of the steps in authentication to show what they did uh, with an expert report to show that things were done correctly. California, very similar, and as we've seen with California code sections versus the federal rules, uh, there are minor changes and minor differences, but still the same goal on admissibility. Now, pursuant to the California uh, evidence code, excuse me, authentication means the introduction of evidence sufficient to sustain a finding that it is the writing that the proponent of the evidence claims it is. Or, under subsection B, the establishment of such facts by any other means provided by law. Now there's a huge you know, definition of writing which includes things such as email and faxes and sounds and, and everything else under the sun. So it is a very broad uh, definition. Now, the basics of authentication, there are wonderful examples of this, and this one comes from uh, United States v. O'Keefe, a Judge Fasciola opinion, and there's a wonderful quote that states, a piece of paper 
or electronically stored information without any indication of its creator, source, or custodian may not be authenticated under the federal rules of evidence. So let's take a inverse of this. So you need to be able to show who created it. You should be able to show its source. So maybe you know the system file pathway showing where ESI resided on a computer uh, you know, should be captured. Uh, who is the custodian? All of those things are, are just kind of the tip of the iceberg of, of what you need to show to show that, you know, this is what it purports to be. The other item, you know, theory that you need to show is chain of custody. And, you know, we are very good in the criminal side for doing this. And a lot of civil litigators can be very paranoid about it as well, such as after hard drives are collected, they go into evidence bags and you have notations on them. So everything's documented. But a chain of custody documents what types of evidence were collected, where the evidence was collected, who handled the evidence before it was collected, how the evidence was collected, when the evidence was collected. Uh, so all of those things go you know, tell the story of like this is where it came from. It should also document, especially in case of electronically stored information, what technology was used to preserve it. How was it duplicated? You know, uh, and just define all those steps because that's the sort of thing that a forensic computer expert needs to demonstrate to show that their process was defensible, that there was no evidence tampering, and all those things to show that there's a pristine copy of that electronically stored information from a very well documented chain of custody. Now, there are all kinds of stories that we can get into with authentication cases. And it's important to remember then the age of social media and all the websites that we have out there, that screenshots can be a perfectly acceptable way to preserve and then authenticate electronically stored information when you actually get to trial. So one court has held, and, and there, there's been more than one, that screenshots can be authenticated and must be authenticated under Federal Rule of Evidence 901. And in this, we have a wonderful passage that states, the lower courts generally hold that an affidavit of a witness, when viewed in combination with circumstantial indicia of authenticity, such as the existence of the URL, date of printing, or other identifying information, support a reasonable juror in believing that the documents are what the proponent says they are. So let's think about this. So if we do print a website to PDF because there might be some trademark infringing information upon it, you're going to get the URL, you're going to get the date, you want to document who did it, uh, where it was done, all of those things to, to help show what took place. Now there are some very sophisticated social media capture tools now commercially available that you can use and that would make a lot of sense in cases where you're dealing with huge volumes of this information. On the flip side, if you're a small business and you might see somebody's, I don't know, social media profile that has an infringing image from you, printing to PDF might be perfectly legitimate. You know, a screenshot could be perfectly fine under that fact pattern. Because remember, at the end of the day, it's the judge who says whether or not something's admissible. If you can meet all the steps of uh, authentication and after showing relevance and every other step that you have to show in order for electronically stored information of any kind to be admissible. 
So again, thank you for spending some time with us. Uh, we hope you enjoy the Legal Geeks, and we have other videos available, uh, both in our educational series and our geek series, uh, exploring everything geeky and the law. Thank you, and have a wonderful day.